So we're continuing in this series of, um, of the, the letter of, of Colossians. And uh, we're, we're bringing a question to it. And it's um, this question of, is there more? And as we look through the book of Colossians, really the, the resounding response is, yes, there is more. Um, it's, a, it's a question that's probably gained some traction more recently in our society. As some things start to, uh, as the wheels start to get a little bit wobbly, um, people are asking that question, is there more? And uh, there's, there's many different areas that have said, yes, there's more, and some of those things have kind of fallen short. And so people are asking again, is there more? And we have a... Um, a wonderful answer to that, and uh, that more is Jesus and his ways and his kingdom. Um, and we're just going to explore some of that through the book of Colossians as we go through over the next uh, number of weeks, and a really, really rich, uh, really rich book. Um, one, of the, one of the most impactful books, really, in an understanding of, of Jesus' impact on all of life and uh, on the church as well. So first, what, where we're going to be today is um, we're going to start in verse 9. So Paul has already given his um, introduction to the, to the Colossians. He's uh, really been affirming them for their faith and the way they're walking. And he says in verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge and with um, not sorry, with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. That's a, uh, an extraordinary prayer. And I, I don't know about you, um, it's, it, it can be difficult when, when we listen or, or read something like that, and it's, it's an extraordinary deep prayer, but there's, there's a lot of abstract words there and abstract kind of concepts. There, there, there's not too much that's really concrete that we can really put our um, scaffolding, that we can hold our thoughts on. So if, if, if I asked you to, to repeat that prayer... Um, People, it'd be very difficult. It's uh, much easier to repeat a story um, than to repeat a, a series of kind of abstract ideas. We could get some little ideas and kind of piece it together in some degree, but it's, it, it can be difficult. And one of the things that we can be helpful when we come to a passage like this that is just, it is just laden with, um, with truth and uh, with powerful phrasing, and Paul is jumping all throughout Scripture, bringing in different concepts and bringing it into this prayer. Uh, you could basically do a, do a whole series just on this prayer as you kind of tease out what Paul is saying here. 
Well, what I want to do this morning is I, I want to make it just a little bit more concrete for us. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is we're going to have a look at uh, another letter that was written around the same time. It was the letter to Philemon. Uh, and in, in looking at a concrete example there, but what we're also going to do, and uh, which we can often do, is, is read it in a different translation as well. Uh, so often when we come to a, a passage of Scripture to get a deeper understanding, it can be good to, to read from a different translation as well. I just want to stop here uh, a little bit, because one, one question that we often have when we look at all these different... We go to Kurong, and we look at all these Bibles... And there's the King James Version, there's the New King James Version, there's the um, New American Standard Version, English Standard Version, the New Living Translation, the Message. And we're kind of like, what's with that? Um, one Bible, and, and you read it, and I just read that passage, and you're kind of looking at your Bible and going, it's a, it's a, a little bit different there. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because we're, we're looking at a translation. So, the, the scriptures were written um, in Greek and Hebrew, and there's a little bit of Aramaic there. And when we translate it, we can translate either kind of on, on this end of the spectrum, which is kind of word for word, or we can translate it on, on this end of the spectrum, which is thought for thought. Um, and then there's a whole heap in between here as well. And it's, it's important that we have different translations like that because there's, there's problems. Um, there's, there's some issues when we translate anything, when, we, when we're going thought for thought, because sometimes we don't quite understand what the thought was, and we may interpret it a, a little bit differently to the way the, the author had intended it. And then we, we come over here, and if we do word for word, we have some problems as well. Uh, I was thinking, in, in French, uh, you have some problems if you go word for word. Uh, you've got something like we know creme brulee, okay? Basically, if you translate that word for word, what you're talking about is burn cream. Um, so that, that's, that's very different. It's burn cream and creme brulee, we, we just take the word and kind of bring it into English as well. There's another one. Um, this is a, a phrase, se taper le coup par terre. And uh, what that basically means, if you translate it absolutely word for word, literally, it means to bang your, um, your rear end on the ground. Um, but what it means, the meaning, is um, to, to laugh loudly. Uh, so we have that, we have that, Cat, raining cats and dogs. Um, but can you see it? And that's, that's with... That's, with, with French and English, we, we have that similar type of thing um, coming in with, with Greek when we turn to, switch to English uh, as well. So um, translators are very aware of this and they, they try and um, maintain and bring through uh, both the, the meaning and also faithful to the, to the text as well. So all that to say, we're going to read from now something else that's right on this end, which is more of a paraphrase, um, it's more of an idea for idea, and it's the, the message. So I'll read this prayer again to you from the message. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. I'm going to read that again, but I'm, this is Paul praying 
for a group of people that are doing pretty well. And uh, this, is, this is a prayer that could be applied to, to us very, very easily because the context is so, so broad. Be assured that from, this, from the first day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. And so acquire through understanding of the ways of God in which he works. We pray that you will live in a manner, making him proud of you, of your hard work in his orchard. As you learn more and more of how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have strength to stick out over the long haul, not through the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but through the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanksgiving. The Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has, that he has for us. So here we, we have Paul again um, praying for this church that they would be, be strengthened and uh, that they would, they would endure. I want to look at um, just one kind of a, a central part in which much of this prayer moves around, and it's, uh, it's in verse 10. So it goes, For this reason, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding, then verse 10, so that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Then goes on to explain what living a life worthy of the Lord actually, actually looks like. And uh, that little phrase, I, I actually had, had looked at, at this and I was wanting to actually look at it a bit together, but um, just cut it out because we've run out of time. But living worthy of the Lord or living worthy of God, living worthy of the gospel... Uh, Paul uses this phrase right throughout the letters multiple times. Uh, it's, it's really quite important to him. And so what, if something keeps coming up over and over again in Scripture, we've, we've got to ask ourselves, what, what does it mean? Um, so often we read over these phrases of, and, and we, we just assume that we, we know what it means. But I always think of if someone came up to me and said, what does it mean to live worthy of the Lord? Because when we, when we think of that, uh, of those words, to live uh, worthy of the Lord, worthy kind of has that idea of, of worth or value. And I guess it could go down the line of, if you're talking about worth and value, that we're, uh, we're actually, in some way, God, is, God, is, God has a people and we want to be more valuable to him in some way, as if God's kind of a, amassing um, people of value and worth to himself. And, and that, of course, doesn't make a huge amount of sense because God, he, he doesn't need to amass his, his worth or value in any way. He is already, he has everything he needs and wants already. But this is, this is something that pleases God for us to live worthy of him. And the idea here is that he actually wants us to, to, to increasingly come in alignment with him and his ways. And uh, that's what it is to, to live worthy 
of God, of the Lord, of, of the gospel, to, to live in a way that is in alignment with that. I was thinking about uh, this and I was thinking about a conversation that I had with my uncle. My uncle went into the, uh, into the police force and he was telling me about, I was asking about what the training is like in the police force, what do they do in those, um, in those academy time. And he said so much of what he actually picked up from there is they were actually teaching them how to live into this reality that they are, um, that they, they are police, um, to, to actually live into that, that reality. Because that makes a huge impact out in society when people uh, look at you and, and, and see you. And, and if, you're, if you're living into that role of a policeman, um, that, that automatically commands respect and automatically you, you, you start to act into that. And there's a sense in which Paul is saying to these, these, um, these believers, he's saying, you have been, you have been called You've been called as people that can access the presence of God. You've been called to follow Jesus. You, you are a new creation. So start to continue and to, to live into that reality of who you are as believers in Christ. Live, align yourself, live worthy with that. So probably one of the one of the best and closest examples of living worthy of, um, of the Lord, and uh, this can be actually quite challenging to live like that, is the book of, or the, the letter of Philemon. Now, Philemon is a, uh, is a tiny little book. If you go to your left, right, towards the back, um, you go to, to, to Hebrews, and uh, it's just before Hebrews. So Hebrews is probably the next big one that you come to, but it's the, it's the book just before, the letter just before Hebrews, and it's Philemon. Uh, it's, it's thought that this letter was actually sent uh, either at the same time as the letter to Colossians or um, sometimes very close uh, around the, that time. Paul was actually in jail when he wrote Colossians. He was in jail when he wrote Philemon as well. So Philemon, he was a, a wealthy Christian. He, uh, he had quite a bit of money. He had slaves as well. We know that at some stage in the past that he'd met up with Paul and Paul had shared the gospel with him and he'd given his life um, to, to, to Jesus. And Paul leans heavily on that in this letter. And Philemon, in this book, is really Paul's um, challenge to him to live worthy of the Lord, to live, live worthy and in a specific area in his life. That would be really quite challenging. So Philemon is um, about a, a slave as well, Onesimus. And when we think of slavery in the ancient world, uh, slavery was big business. About one third of the, uh, the Roman population were actually slaves, so huge amounts of slaves in this culture. And when you've, you may have heard about people talking about slaves in, in, in relation to the Bible, and um, people say it's a little bit different, slaves actually had property, and, and uh, they could have um, slaves themselves, and uh, they could actually earn money, and there, there's, there tends to be at times a a real significant difference made in, in our understanding of slavery and slavery in the Roman Empire. 
And there's some, some degree of, of truth to that. Some slaves did have property and some slaves did have other slaves and um, that was at the discretion of their owner. But the majority of them, it was, it was just not very nice. It, they, they were slaves. Um, they were property of someone else. And uh, that was part of the, the culture at the time. And basically, the owner could do whatever they wanted with that slave. They were slaves. If we look at, uh, and Paul is going to speak into this. You see, he had, uh, Philemon had a slave, Onesimus, that uh, in, something happened between him and Philemon, and he ran away, and he went and found Paul in prison. And Onesimus, he wasn't a believer at this time, but in meeting with Paul, he became a believer and became very, very important to Paul. And his life was changed. And Paul, for whatever reason, decides to send Onesimus back to Philemon. And he sends him with this letter. And we're going to go down to about... Um, I think it's 17, and what we're thinking through is how, um, how, how is Paul encouraging Philemon to live worthy of the Lord? He says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. He's talking about um, Onesimus here. Now Philemon had the right to, to pretty much um, punish uh, this, this slave severely if he, if he would like. But he says, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand and I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. This is Paul being pretty, pretty forceful here. He's kind of saying, um, if, if he has any debt, just, just charge it to me. Um, but basically, Philemon, think about this, that uh, your debt to, to me is actually really, really great. Um, anyway, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Um, refresh my heart. I think I just skipped a, a little bit there. Yeah. So what we have here is... Uh, in, in other passages, in, in, even in Colossians, uh, if we look at verse 3, I think it's verse 11, it says there, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, um, slave or free, but Christ is all and is, uh, and is in all. So here... here Paul is speaking about there's no slave or free. And then he's, he's saying in verse 22, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything. And then he's saying to Philemon that Philemon, um, because of the gospel, because of who you are now, uh, your, your slave is now your, your brother, receive him differently. You see, the, the gospel is having this absolutely transforming effect on all of, all of culture. Uh, one third of that Roman world was slaves, and the gospel starts to starts to do something there. We're really coming into the into the midst of the gospel starting to have an effect, and God is starting to move that culture into alignment with Him. 
And he, he really puts the finger on Philemon here. And, and basically, Paul is saying, Philemon, uh, let you be a forerunner for what, um, what this gospel, what the, what the message in alignment with Christ is going to do to a whole society. Uh, with the emancipation of slaves, this book of Philemon was actually one of the primary sources which saw the, uh, the, the progression of the... Um, the stopping of slavery. So what we see is that as, as um, we're, we're walking worthy of God, that he starts to press on our lives in different areas and starts to transform us and, um, and move us. So I want to just turn back to that, to that prayer it's Colossians 1, verses 9 through to 13. And we're going to take three points uh, in regards to prayer. And the first one is that we, we always need prayer. He says, he opens up this, he says, for this reason, for this reason. Uh, what he's referring to is referring to what he's just been, been saying about the Colossians and how, how thankful he is for everything that... Uh, they have done. This is, this is particularly interesting in that Paul is praying for them and normally our idea can be around prayer is that we, we pray for people or we pray for ourselves only when we really need help, um, when things are going really bad in our lives. But Paul is presenting a bit of a different perspective here. He spends all this time saying the Colossians are doing really, really well, and then he prays for them that they would continue to do well. And we, we get that in, in other areas of life. We get that with, with breathing. Um, when I'm, I'm, I'm breathing at the moment, and I feel pretty okay. There's not um, too many pressures, um, but I don't say I'm, I'm just going to stop breathing because I've got enough oxygen on board. Um, I, I keep breathing. If I, if I need to exert myself, if, if, um, if I need to, uh, to if, if, if a pressure comes upon me, then I'm going to start breathing uh, much more. And that's, that's a little bit like prayer. When, when pressure comes upon us, we, we start to pray a little bit more, but we, we don't stop praying um, in, the, in the midst when everything is okay. When we look at the way the early church and, and Paul looked at prayer, it, it will tell us um, later that he actually he was continually in prayer for them. This is, this is something that keeps the Christian going, a bit like breathing as well. So we, we always need prayer. And uh, he, he prays for spiritual insight, that they would have a worthy walk, that they would um, have abundant power and a thankful spirit in that prayer. Another thing that we see, for this reason, since that day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. The reason that Paul doesn't stop praying for them is because he, he believes that they need prayer, but not only that, he understands that God is always working. That, that God is, is always working. And the way that God has ordained for us to join in his work is, is both through service but through prayer. There's something very um, special that God has ordained, that he's put into creation, 
that he is always working and when we join with him, something, um, something happens at that point. I was sharing with the guys on, on camp uh, this reality of, of God always working and I was just sharing about a, some seeds that Levi brought home and these little seeds, they were sunflower seeds and he planted them and uh, he was really excited about seeing them grow and they, uh, they, they've grown into, actually we went, I've been away on holidays for a little bit um, recently and we forgot to water them so they'd kind of fallen over but they're, they're back up again, they're standing back up, we put some water back in there. Uh, but Levi and I were looking at the soil that they were growing in because he asked me, how do these things grow? Like it's a, it's a, we, we don't really think about it, but it's this little seed that becomes this big plant. Like, how, how does that happen? And we were, we were starting to look at the soil and um, we, we kind of got a bit stuck there because the soil is just amazing. You, you kind of look at it and it's just this, um, it looks like nothing's happening but there are billions and billions of little microorganisms in there that are actively at work. Uh, and and we, we had a great time looking into what they were doing. Some of them were uh, kind of, um, they would take hard metals from in the soil there and they would coat them so that they couldn't be taken up by the plant and poison it. Uh, some of them would take organic material and decompose it so that the plant could use the nutrients other, uh, there was a, another one which is just a, a, a real amazing thing. When it goes through drought, it actually coats the little roots with this gooey substance that kind of protects it from the drought. And all this activity is happening under the surface, and we don't even see it. We don't even notice it. And it just it reminded me about the reality of what God is often doing in our lives and throughout our community that He is He is always working, even when we don't see it. One of the interesting things about these little plants is that what they do is their roots go down and they release hormones. Um, and, and the bacteria actually come to those hormones and, and help the plant. And in a sense, um, prayer is a, a little bit like us releasing hormones. Um, those little bacteria are always there. God is always working. And, and when, we, when we call out to God in prayer, it's as if um, the, the will of God and, the, and, and our will start to come together and something quite life happens. God is always working and when we join with him working, life happens. You may have noticed that uh, when Jesus often asks people what do they want um, when, when he's just about to heal them. Uh, there's a, the, in John chapter 5, there's the guy uh, next to that, that pool near the gate of, uh, near the sheep gate. And Jesus says, he says to them, uh, do you want to get well? It's a strange question. Do you want to get well? Of course he wants to get well. He's beside a, um, he's beside a pool that if it stirs, there's some interesting way in which um, they would be healed at that time but Jesus asked him do you want to get well then we we go to in Luke um, we've looked at this before it's Jesus is approaching Jericho and he finds this guy who's blind and he says to him what do you want me to do 
Uh, and he says, Lord, I want to see, he replied. Now, what's going on there? That's, that's very strange. Why would Jesus ask what he wants them to do? You see, what, what Jesus is doing is he knows that his father is always at work. His father is always wanting to work, and, and he's inviting that person into that work, into that will. In, in a sense, he's, he's asking them to bring their will I want to be healed. And then Jesus um, combines that with the will of the Father and, and they're healed. So what we've got there is we've got Jesus, God is, is always at work. Uh, we, we always need to pray whether we're uh, doing well or doing not so well. And prayer makes a difference. Uh, what we see from this, this passage and so many passages of Paul is that he believes that prayer really does make a difference. It says in Romans, strive together with me in, pray, um, in your prayers to God on my behalf. In Ephesians, he requests prayers for the right words for the gospel. Uh, he also says that he, that he pray for him, that he may proclaim the gospel without fear. Um, in Colossians, clarity of communication, that doors will be opened. Uh, in Thessalonians, that God's word would spread and be honoured. Uh, they'd be rescued from unbelievers in Romans, delivered from wicked men in Thessalonians, and later he tells the um, Corinthians that uh, to pray for him that he may be delivered from deadly peril. So here we see that, uh, that Paul, he understood that something happens when people pray. And that's what he's doing here. He's, he's praying for them. He's saying he's continually praying for them, and he's continually asking for people to pray for him as well because someone's found the, um, the, the read the scriptures to you. Um, so Paul, right throughout his letters, he's asking people to pray and he's praying for people because he realises that prayer is powerful and that prayer is affected. Um, and as we move and as we uh, move into this new season in which we're, uh, we're in as, as both a society and as a church and as a country, more and more I think there's going to come a realisation that, um, that, that programs, that organisation, that um, we're, we're coming into a season where we may actually be forced um, to rely on prayer more. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, that has been a very, very good thing for the church throughout history. That, that when, we're, when we're stripped of things that work for us and we need to go to the one that actually works on our behalf, um, significant things start to happen in, in society and in, when, when the people of God uh, come and say, Lord, would you move in power? And would you move in presence amongst your people so that we may be a blessing um, to, this com to the community which you have placed us in? Before I finish, uh, actually, we might, we might just... Uh, we, we're going to leave it, leave it there. Um, so just, just reminding us that 
We, we are always in need of prayer. God is always working and prayer is powerful and effective. It makes a difference um, from a distance. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for this prayer that you have, um, uh, have recorded for us. Lord, we want to be people who live a life that is, uh, is worthy of you. We want to be increasingly aligned with uh, your ways and, and your spirit and your kingdom. So Lord, would you, would you do that for us? Would you, um, would you do the things that uh, Paul was asking for the, for the Colossians here? Would you do that in us? Would you give us increasing spiritual insight to be able to know how to align ourselves with you and walk worthy with you? Would you give us abundant power to be able to remain faithful to you when things get tough? And Lord, would you give us a thankful spirit for all the things that you have done for us? Lord, I think of that reminder that um, was given to Philemon about the, the treasure that he has in being counted as a child of God, that that surpasses any riches or anything else in life and that, that transforms and, and, and makes us new. So Lord, I pray that you would continually be shaping us and molding us more into the image of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.